You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's make cutter. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Break It Down podcast. Season four, episode one. I've been on break, but we're back. And we're back for real and in a new way. Obviously, it's almost like a little TV show here. Not exactly a TV show. It's still a podcast primarily in nature, but I'm going to be doing the bonus video here. It's going to be, you're going to see the show as it's being made. I'm going to try and do the intro in real time and the guests, if we have any ads or sponsors. I'm going to try and keep all that in uh, the moment. I just like doing things live and being able to add video and do this thing on Facebook has been a blast. So we've got, we're very thankful to Norma Jean uh, and their Facebook page for hosting us today. This is a, this is a great opportunity. And, uh, and I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll even take some questions from Norma Jean fans for Corey um, later. So I'm going to talk to Corey here just in a second. And if you have some questions, we'll try to catch those later. So we've got some clips um, from some Norma Jean songs from their new record, Polar Similar, that's going to be out on September 9th. And we're going to discuss Corey's other project, which is currently crowdfunding called 100 Sons. So if you want to support this show, or if you're interested in this show at all, go to my website, breakitdownpodcast.net. Is that right? Breakitdownpodcast.net? Okay. And... Over there, you can find everything you want to do. You can subscribe to this on iTunes there. You can play all the old episodes, stuff like that. And there's even a link to shop on Amazon, which directly supports this show. And I appreciate it so much when people bookmark that link. And then whatever you buy through Amazon, it'll support this show. Again, thanks to Norma Jean fans. And Corey, thanks to you for doing this uh, episode one of this season in this fashion. Thanks for being guinea pig. and Dude, this is awesome. This is really cool. I, I did the, I tested out the live Facebook thing mm-hmm. the other day just to see what it was like. I think I did a terrible job, mm-hmm. um, and I think I held the phone like really close to my face, yeah. and I probably looked like a big idiot. Well, that's but the thing about that <laughs> Facebook thing is, it's just like it's an unbelievable technology and function, and that they have that infrastructure and all the algorithm built in, but it's really hard to know if you turn the, your camera on you by yourself and feel like you're talking to hundreds of thousands of people, or even if it was dozens of people, of course you're going to feel silly or dumb, you know? That's just the reality of it. So most of the time when I see people and then they're in their car and all they're doing is reading the comments and, you know, it it, it can be a really uncomfortable medium. But on the other hand, I think it's like uh, the ability, it's it's up to us, it's up to people like you and me to figure out what can we do in this format because it's essentially free to you. So it seems crazy not to figure out how to do something other than a goofy studio update once in a while or something like that and that's yeah this is, this is an experiment in so this is cool this is awesome like it's it's like you're watching a tv show live on facebook so like you like you said like a tv show well, so it's kind of like a tv show it's, it's cool like we have our own channel like access TV, yeah it's kind of really more <laughs> that <reflect>. makes it cooler <laughs> that makes it cooler like i just got more stoked that i'm on wayne's world that, right think now. of it as wayne's world <laughs> you're not this isn't a cnn show with a talking head. yeah no like no wayne's no world. but we're no, in a we're basement in aurora illinois but um, yeah. you, 
are in, where are you in Arkansas? I'm in Arkansas where I live at my, my home on my land, um, in our practice space slash studio. Good. You were building it last time that yeah. we talked. It was uh, when you were on bad Christian podcast, you were, mm-hmm. you had just built that or were in the process of doing that, but it looks great yeah. to see that, uh, ductless or that, that two stage air conditioner back there. That's, Those things are awesome. That, that sucker is a lifesaver. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, totally awesome. Yeah. You, uh, so, okay. So you grew up in Arkansas and still live there. Yes. You mentioned um, your parents being close I, by earlier today. So you, are you basically live where you grew up? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. We moved around a little bit when I was really young. Um, I was technically born in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. and, uh, we moved around here and there. Um, at one point I lived in North Carolina in Winston Salem and, uh, for like a year when I was in like fifth grade or whatever. <clears throat> but most of the time, you know, our kind of, we always came back to Arkansas and mm-hmm. eventually this is a weird word to say, but settled here sure. <laughs> when I was around, um, 11 years old in sixth or seventh grade. So yeah. The thing I think is Arkansas. interesting about that is it, it seems like it would be harder to get a art and music career going living in Arkansas. And there's so many people that they, they do like, for, for instance, I grew up in a real small town, South Carolina, moved to Seattle to start the band, uh, Emory and, and made all my relationships and did everything through that. And so I have this filter of thinking, how could anybody make it? How could they ever get anywhere if they stayed in their hometown? You know, to yeah, me, yeah. it just seems like how it would have, I know for a fact it would never, nothing would have ever happened for me if I'd have stayed where I'm from. So I just, yeah. I wonder how that plays out. I have a friend who's a comedian and he's been, I'll, I'll say his name, I guess it would be good for him. His name is Jason Farr, but he's in the town I grew up in. He's been doing comedy for like 10 years there. And I'm like, you've got to leave, dude. You've got to leave <laughs> yeah. if you want anything to happen. I just found out he's leaving. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Good for you. You know, I always think it's great when people take chances and, you know, moving away from your home is a hard thing to do. But how is it, how were you able to do that? How did it unfold for you that you could do that without having to move to a big city or something? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people think that. I mean, well, if, essentially you do need to leave, but you don't have to uproot necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're in a band, you have to go on tour. You have to get in front of di- different people. That's, That's that's basically leaving. Um, the, the only thing uh, I always saw living in, in Arkansas as a plus because we're right smack in the center of the South. And mm. I mean, we can go you can get east, or, east or west is the same direction yep. no matter where we go. So it, it's very centrally based. And, and we were able to, you know, capitalize on that and play all over and, it, you know, save a lot of in travel expenses, honestly. So, yeah, I mean... It, you would you would think that, but uh, I mean, yeah. If we just stayed here and played only in yeah, Arkansas, sure. I mean, that's bad for anybody. I mean, I mean, that's bad for a band never. from L.A. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. You don't have any regrets about ever like li- moving or living somewhere else? No, not at all. I, I love it here. It's it's um, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, that's it's undeniably beautiful. I think it's like I mean, it, this it's called the natural state for a reason. Um, I always tell people like. Just imagine, you know, any city except we don't cover everything in concrete. We don't cut down. I mean, I, actually, I went to a school, the local school here, for a long time. Um, there were trees in the middle of the school. You walked in and you were kind of in this in the locker area, mm-hmm. but there was a there was grass and trees just growing out, and you were just outside, even in, even though you were inside the school. So it's very beautiful. It's natural, the natural state. So 
I love it here. It's just, it's a great place to call home and come home to. And, and the thing is, um, with being a musician, you get to travel and see all the other yep. cool cities and, and places. So but that's what trips me out. Yeah. Is though, and, and don't take offense to this, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't, there's a lot of people who've traveled through there that don't necessarily go, Oh, this is it. It's not some special yeah. <laughs> place. It's just what's home to you. And I think it's weird mm-hmm. because it's different because you've been, you've been to New York city a million times. You've been to San Diego mm-hmm. 57 times. You know what I mean? You've been everywhere a lot and you still have this opinion. So I can respect that. But every mm-hmm. place I've ever been, I meet people and they say, uh, this is the best place in the world, and it's, uh, yeah. it's a it's a tiny town in the Panhandle of Oklahoma. And they swear yeah. that it's the best place ever. I said, "Well, have you ever really been anywhere else?" And it's like, "Well, <laughs> you know, no. we went to the beach yeah. once. We, you know, I took a senior trip to Mexico once. Yeah. Or something, you know, nothing. But they swear it's the best place ever. And I think, well, you don't really have the perspective. But I understand. Mm-hmm. But if, but if that must be the reality. If you feel, I'm, that I'm not way trying about to it, maybe say that's more important. And then I'm not trying to say it's the best place in the world, yeah. but. Like you said, you know, people drive through and, and they don't think this is it. Yeah. When I drive through, I think I do think that. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, you know, um, the thing is, uh, me growing up um, and wanting to be a musician has always been kind of a thing since I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but traveling wasn't really part of that. Right. I, I didn't even think about it. Like, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, I want to travel and see the world. I never said that or wanted to. Um, it was just so didn't really cross so, my mind. So you didn't. I have wanted to music. be a musician, but yeah. I didn't want to travel. It came with the territory. Yeah. So I've really kind of even grown to love it more since that. Um, I, I imagine though, if you do live here and, and you're and, and this is your home, and you don't really you haven't been in it, you, I can see like how anywhere can become mm-hmm. like kind of dismal or or. Uh, I, I do think everyone should kind of get out and see see some things. Everyone. So I don't know. It, so, it depends on who you are. And you're always wanting to do music, but also you're an art guy. So, I mean, you were spending time drawing and, and that kind of thing too, right? Growing up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you do I mean, both and, professionally and, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've done graphic design for years. I kind of don't – I don't really do it anymore as much. Um, it it kind of became a very backseat thing. And now that I'm literally in – two bands and mm-hmm. everything else that I've been doing and trying to get the studio going. I haven't had time for it at all. But do you know, I, to me, you like, like, for instance, I was looking at your, I was watching your documentary today, The Luminaries, that's what it's called? Yeah. Okay. So I was looking at that today and in the credits, your art director. And I look at your website, like 100, 100 Sons stuff, Norma Jean stuff. And, you know, you, you, you I know that, you've got your finger on that stuff. I'm not saying you did all the art and all the design, but to have an mm. art guy and a design guy, in, you know, with his finger on the stuff from his music and creative stuff is, is very important. And it's, to me, it's really, really noticeable as somebody that's not talented or doesn't <coughs> understand or doesn't have any visual or graphic <laughs> skills. I was always astonished at that being in a band where I thought it was all about the music. And then it's like, okay, well now you got to do album covers and videos and yeah. Photos. And I'm like, <clears throat> and everybody thinks, well, how are they going to express themselves this way? And I just got, I decided, I have no idea. How, how would I know what looks yeah. good on a, on a print on a CD cover? How, like it never, until we had to make our first album cover, it never crossed my mind that somebody would expect me or us to know how to do that or even weigh in on whether it was good or not. And so yeah, for you, it's, it's, definitely... it's, a lot of, it's a lot better because you have this whole aesthetic 
care about everything. And I, I think it crosses from the music into the visual stuff. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing is, is you know, music is definitely a, um, you know, a, a form of expression. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the art, you know, making some kind of a visual to go along with that has always been very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. I want, uh, in the band, I want it to match musically what we do um you know artistically in all fashion even even to the live show we we kind of wanted to match i mean even during redeemer if you remember like um if anybody remembers like we did this whole like dirty thing where Mm -hmm. we just got dirty before every show and all our cabs were tilted and you know it was just this messy looking setup and then when that record cycle was over we stopped doing all of it we got rid of it we it wasn't we didn't want it to be like a gimmick or anything or a constant thing like it really is about kind of finding what's best for that, for that era of music or, or that record specifically. And so, I mean, with the, with a new record polar similar, I did design the cover Mm -hmm. and, um, had a lot of, um, direction with, with, uh, the rest of the layout, um, along with Donnie Phillips, who's really talented and did a great job on, on the overall, um, layout. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Once you get something in your head, it's really hard to forget it. Yeah. And um, on this record, we actually tried to hire out early, like really early, because I knew I was like, man, as soon as we figure out something that we want to see, we're gonna hate, not hate, but like we're not gonna like anything that comes in because it's not gonna be that. Right. So it ended up, <laughs> you know, that we that that didn't work out. So we ended up kind of making our own artwork again anyway. Yeah. It, you know, the whole thing is a spirit of do it yourself because it, it just always, I, this sounds cynical or something, or maybe I just can't get it figured out, but everything goes better when you, if you have the ability to do it yourself. And it sounds like I don't trust other people or like working with people I do, but if you know how to do something or what your vision is for it, that's, that's like 80% of life. Like everybody, a lot of people don't have any clue or any vision or something they want to do. So if you know what's going to be what's going to be good or bad and you can do it yourself and have those skills, like if you can have a background in some of the peripheral things, your career is going to go better. And I guess it plays into that whole thing of investing in yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I know people that, that, that do investment and, and stuff and they're just like, it's, it's whatever to invest in companies or stocks it really seems to be the smartest investment to invest in your band, your career, businesses that you have a stake in, something you have a part in, your personal development, and, and those kinds of things. So I think that's really weird, and I do think that that's a... Uh, tell me if you think this is a stretch, but is that kind of thing not maybe a component of w- what has given you and Norma Jean the longevity that you have? Um. Are you a do you, yeah. do you identify as a very do it yourself kind of crew and band? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I, I can honestly say that everything you've seen on stage with Norma Jean, yeah. um, um, to, to production of our records, it, um, building this studio it, is with our own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, every we are a completely DIY band. Um, besides the fact that. Um, we've been on some amazing record labels to, to help us fund our records. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, like I don't have, you know, a ton of money to spend all at once on yeah. a record. 
Yeah, um, definitely. What's your least favorite uh, industry? Uh, this is I'm not trying to trap you here. I'll, I'll volunteer all any information on myself. But what is your least favorite uh, cog in the middleman industry wheel? You know what I mean? If you're talking about agent, publicist, business manager, people, <laughs> manager, I don't, I've never agents, even thought about that. You know, I've literally never even thought about that ever. But, but I'm saying you're a DIY stuff, and you probably function I without think, all of you don't you don't have a publicist year round, for instance, probably right? No, 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 we don't. Um, we used to do that kind of stuff, uh, and um, I kind of feel like. Um, Really, uh, the the only thing that happens with all that is it just slows things down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't. There's kind of a good thing to that to me, mm-hmm. like that team of the, that team of people that you're all those people Do you that have you're talking all those about. Things though, that's what that's what I'm kind of yeah yeah for you, sure. You have a manager. Yes, we do have a manager. Have a we didn't for a while, and we just hired one last year. Is actually it's uh, Tom. Uh, who's the guitarist for Straight from the Path? Cool, is our manager, yeah, <laughs> and he's you have amazing. This manager, um, yes, yeah, uh, accounting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, booking agent, booking agent, yes, of course. Uh... But we were kind of in limbo with all those things for a while, mm-hmm. and um, you know, when I think DIY, I think about what we do as artists. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those are things that we don't know how to do it very well you know yeah. i can book a show for sure i could book a tour i did for a while mm-hmm. and i think a lot of fans will remember me posting on facebook hey we're looking for shows here and here and yeah, here that, that's what and I'm we booked of. entire I know tours we, yeah I, yeah that's yeah. what I'm, that's what i'm referencing i remember that being the case yeah yeah for sure and and so i mean right now like we we definitely are, have gotten back to a point where um i guess w- what i was getting to was basically that that team of people is invaluable mm-hmm. um just ha- you know having people at a record label that are you know waking up every day and thinking about your band mm-hmm. and what they can do to 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 invest in the record that they also invested in you know and try and get get it out to people that that's amazing that's insane like i think i'm not the only person doing this mm-hmm. but but i've always kind of considered those people less of like employees or kind of uh, that kind of thing and more of like sixth members of Norma Jean. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we've always treated those kind of people. Like we want to work with people who are the most excited about what we're doing yeah. just as much as we are excited about doing it. But that doesn't always happen. I mean, you've certainly had more than one manager no. and more than, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you yeah, do, yeah, there is sure. the, the part very, I mean, first of all, you're even band members obviously turn over. Norma Jean Emery is no exception to that, but team, your team, if you're going to be a band as long as you have, you, you do have to have the sense to know how to manage a team, run a team. Essentially you wind up being the CEO and you've got these other people that are staff and there always is going to be changes in that kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every band has some pretty awkward transition stories of one manager yeah. to the other, and that and that kind of thing. But you, I get there's so many weird stories that come into play there. I mean, um, our old management company, great people, and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think we've had any like crazy like bad falling out stories with anyone. Mm-hmm. It's always been kind of a natural thing, like. Uh, something has come along better for this person, even even down to you know um, members of member uh, previous members of, of the band. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't you know say that it was like this total like ah crazy thing. Um, not to me anyway. Yeah. But uh, you know, our old management company um, was was uh, 
also managing um, Skrillex mm-hmm. and before anybody know, knew who that was. Yep. And of course, now everybody who just heard that name knew exactly who that was. I know those guys and everything. And they, and, still, and, they still have Skrillex. They still do And that they're anything? just great. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yep. And, and they're really, really super close, great friends of ours. But I mean, honestly, they just don't have time for us anymore. Yeah. And, 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 they're, and they're kind of out of the rock and roll world too. Yeah. So we really needed to find someone who, who got that and, and it was excited. And, and we wanted a young guy who, who, who gets the, gets the business and, mm-hmm. and the art side of it and everything that we want to do. And, you know, we, we, we looked for that guy, yeah. whoever was the most excited to do that and wanted to be there. That's who we wanted to work with. Yeah. We've had the same thing where it was like the, uh, the company or whoever was working for us started doing bigger and better things than us to where, you know, we've been dropped by and like, agents Peace. And see, <laughs> like well, I don't think I'm the most help for you anymore. Like, sorry. You, you would be better off to fire me and get another booking agent. <laughs> you know, kind of, but as yeah. far as people have had to fire, we fired uh, probably two, hey. two lawyers before and yeah. that's the only ones that have gone bad. I don't know if it's something about lawyers or if it's a stereotype or whatever, <laughs> but I fired two lawyers before and they both flipped the fuck out. When I fired, <laughs> <for sure. laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't know why, but that that's been that's kind of weird that for a lawyer to to so get too. super emotional I like know, that. I like, so dude, too. chill out. I, I, we've had three lawyers, and two of them eventually when we moved on, and I told them for whatever reason it was, and they just I mean they, it was totally like you know they threw a fit. <laughs> But anyway, it, it happens. But my point is, Norma has been around for so long, and that is very rare like it, it just really is rare i mean yeah. to have six or seven this is the seventh record coming out would be polar Sun, seven right yeah okay mm-hmm. so that in itself is so rare right i mean do you what's the deal with that yeah um the way i i've always kind of thought of this band i think even um i remember when i joined uh, in 2004 mm-hmm. we went straight into writing oh god the after which was record two technically record number two yeah, yeah. and we went straight into writing that record and, um, you know, and it went on a little bit and then, you know, a member left. And I remember that first conversation when, when somebody left and, and like, what do we do? You know, like how we, how do we want to go about this? And we just thought about it like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's find someone that's, that's like-minded in in the music that we, that we're into. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really good friend of ours that fits this, this, uh, you know, collective of people. And, and that, uh, that conversation to me is very, very relevant to Norma Jean today. Um, I, I consider Norma Jean to be a longstanding collective of musicians and friends mm-hmm. where association is, is flexible. Creative direction is flexible. It seems um, from watching the and, documentary. And it's, 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 less, it's less of a band where it's like, hey, here's, here's five faces that you have to um, associate with somehow, wow, like that makes sense, to, with this music. And I feel like that that idea that I just said was something that was made up by a record label in like the 30s or 40s, whenever boy bands were invented, maybe the Beatles, and to, to, to market music to people. Uh-huh. You know, here's some faces. They're going to look like this. They're going to have this gimmick thing about them. They're going to dress like this. Uh-huh. I mean, you know what I'm talking you, about. You mean as opposed to the music itself just being a product? Right. It, 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 now you have a, a group of people that have this thing, and 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 you associate with yourself. Mm-hmm. with the, There's an image. Right. And that same 
philosophy or uh, cornerstone, if you want to say, mm-hmm. um, or marketing plan is still being used to this day. Look at these guys. And, 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 and then in a sense, basically, we, we've come so far now, with, especially with social media, I mean, what we're, even what we're doing right now, like where people are more loyal to the people and less loyal to the sound that's coming out. Okay, so and what I'm, gl- I, and I'm what glad I say, you're saying that because I've got a yeah. lot of questions and stuff. Of what you, I mean, it feels to me like you're almost developing or have a, a pretty well-developed philosophy, and that's what I was really picking up from the documentary about what is the music, why is the music, who owns the music, who defines what it is. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a really a lot there. And yeah. so the, one of the things I was getting um, that, that, that knowing you, seeing your band, I've been a Norma Jean fan since 99, probably, personally. Yeah. Um, so I've seen Me it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've, I've been around for this whole thing. And the thing that you're saying, I think right there and in the documentary is that the people making the music, here's the big theme. Tell me if I've got this wrong, but... When you've created the art and the art is out there, it doesn't belong to the creators and it almost doesn't matter who they are anymore. Is that right? They're, they're basically irrelevant at that point. Okay, so that's, that's what I'm saying. That's actually more extreme than I've ever heard it said or said it myself because yeah. I'm of the same mindset, 100%. But yeah. the irrelevant is a very strong word there. You're saying yeah, the is. writer of those lyrics on that <laughs> song is irrelevant once the song exists in at, at uh, 40, you know, 44.1 hertz. No, it doesn't it doesn't work that way for every band though. Okay. That's the thing. Like a lot of bands kind of based on that same construct and you see where it is now today. Mm-hmm. You see where it is where it's like um it's just like shock rock and and an image and mm-hmm. uh, this kind of overall plan of here's how you look um, here's, you know, here's the guys in the band and, um, you know, they'll do almost anything to, they can to stay together, even if they don't like each other. Right. Or even if they're making bad art together. And, and to That's me, true. I'd rather, I'd rather, um, let, let the, let it shape shift it's uh, in its own way. And then, yeah, I, even the lyrics, even though those songs are about personal things to me, basically I, I become irrelevant to the listener because imagine, okay, if you got this sound sat in front of you, someone put the speaker in front of you, and Norma Jean came out of it, but they didn't. You didn't know who it was, uh, that, right? They, do you like it or not? Okay, which you is, know what I mean. I, I mean, I can answer that question very easily because when I first yeah. heard Norma Jean, I didn't know who was in the band. Yeah, I sure, sure as heck didn't know. I just heard sounds and I evaluated yeah. them and said. And I then liked I think I think when on pure. top of that, even lyrically, even more so because. I want people to listen to the songs that um, and the lyrics that I've written and and interpret them however they want. Uh, you know, yeah. I, that's what I did when I yeah. when I was growing Some up. Some people you know, argue like, the opposite and say the r- lyric the lyricist holds the meaning to the song and you can interpret it wrong or right. And I, I'm I think I'm, is that is that what I'm I saying? I'm with you. It is. It just is, and then you decide what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I think that can I think that is true, but it also kind of ruins it for listeners. I, I, I kind of sometimes don't like saying what songs are about because mm-hmm. uh, I know for me um, growing up and I'm going to use, uh, I always use this band for some reason, even though they're not like probably even in my top 10 favorite bands. But I remember specifically um, this revelation happening with this band, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, they put out probably close uh, to top ten for me. But yeah, they're so good, so good. Well, Purple came out, yeah, totally. um, which is uh, an amazing record. It is. it is, but um, that 
that first song, I was like, man, I just feel Meat like plow. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I think I think this song is about me. <laughs> you know, and that's, but I was just sold on that. You know, yeah, like I this song, it. and I listen to it all the time. I was like, man, well, it just what, makes sense for this thing. And, Can you remember, like, I, I mean, when I think about stuff like that, I'm not I'm not a lyric guy fundamentally. So I remember that song. And we can break down Stone guitar, Temple Pilots songs but, if you want. We yeah. can break them down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so let's, let's speaking of lyrics though, this is something that's crazy. Is You've got a bunch of guys in Norma Jean that haven't been there near as long as you have, so, and they're a, a varying amount. Rookies, of times I'm with, just kidding. You know, John and and Goose have been there longer, and then the new, the newer guy that I don't even know is Philip, right? Yeah, Philip. Right. Am I getting this right that even in the studio when you're writing lyrics, you collaborative collaboratively write lyrics first of all with other people, and secondly with people that have only been in the band for a short amount of time? That's mm. unheard of if that's true. Well, well, that's the thing, though, is that those people fit within the collective. Uh-huh. I've known Philip for, gosh, 15 years. It, or, or I don't know if it's that long, but somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe longer, How honestly. How do you write lyrics um, with people? How do you do that? I mean, I, I've, I've been, I weigh in on lyrics. I tweak lines. I say this is vague. I suggest stuff. I mean, kind of a producer type Not thing, everybody how does it. do you it? collaborate on lyrics? Not everybody does it, and on Polar Similar, people did it less. Okay. I wrote most of the lyrics, but um, um, I, the way you do it is you just walk up to them and say, hey, write some lyrics. <laughs> and I really, like, um, cause I really like it because you'll get one guy who will write a whole thing, and then and it's all like this thing. I'm like, okay, I can I work it. with that, and I, I can take things and move them around and do whatever. But then you like John, for instance, will just – Right, like he'll just say like out of nowhere he'll be like, oh yeah, here's one, and then say it, and I'll write it down on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's just one line, but um, I, specifically he he wrote uh, one of the lyrics uh, in the chorus of the Potter has no hands, which is on Wrongdoers. Mm-hmm. Um, you used to live, now you just fertilize. He was like, I really like that. He didn't even know what it meant, and I was like, I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna make that mean something. It's almost and, and it's almost cool. Something like it's almost avant garde or abstract or something there's some there's some territory of expression that you're in this is really it's really interesting um and talking about wrongdoers that's another thing that i think is real interesting with these guys in the band some of them were in or most of these guys did wrongdoers as well as this album right yeah but what am i picking up on from the documentary and from stuff that i've heard you say that not me. Okay. What, here, here's what I'm saying. Here's what, here's what I'm getting, Corey, and I'll let you correct it or, or weigh Go in on it. Go for it. But I don't think this is a bad thing, but there's a, a, almost a tone of how much you like this new record, what Polar Similar is, and it sounds like the whole idea is, well, this is we've moved on from wrongdoers. It's, there's this undertone of you're unhappy with it or – Trying to be just dis- distance yourself from what that was. Can that I, I totally get that theme in the documentary. What's going on with that? I'm going to try to give a short answer for it. Um, actually, when we were editing the documentary, and one of the reasons I'm on art direction for in the credits for that is because I was giving tons of notes uh, over and over and over for for mm-hmm. the documentary. But um, I, there there were, I had to go in and and have them edit out some negative seemingly negative sounding mm-hmm. things towards that record. But I, I think where that comes from is that um, we're always kind of trying to outdo ourselves. We're always trying to do something better, something different. 
And we're always going to base that on what we've done before. I mean, uh, naturally, you're going to do that. We want to we want to we want to make it a better record. Um, so in a sense, I kind of see it um, as a kind of a positive thing because we think very highly of that record. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that it that it was going to be hard to beat when we wrote it and when we recorded it huh, and when so, we heard it for the so first maybe time. So you see it as like it was a high benchmark and thus almost an enemy to its... And know, we smashed it. Yeah, so you, I think it, we it smashed has become it. your enemy now because yeah. it's like your old record that you've got to beat, like your old uh, <laughs> Olympic record in the 100 now, meter that you I now have love, to beat. Yeah. I love, love, love that record. And But here's the main thing that I'm getting at is that um, we had a lot of member changes right before that record. That's uh-huh. where the bulk of them happened. Yeah. That was uh, Goose's first record. Right. That was John's first record. That was Jeff's first record. Even though those guys had been in the band for uh, you know a couple of years at that point, um, and we, you know we went straight into writing it. And but we didn't like as much as I've been friends with those guys for a long time. We didn't have artistic chemistry, which is a totally sure. different thing. You have a friendship chemistry, but. Getting in a, in a room and writing a record is a totally different thing. And so I kind of see wrongdoers more or less as a sacrificial lamb. Like just, we, needed, yeah. we needed to make that record so we could figure out how to make a how record to together. together yeah. And then once we, so yeah, I mean, of course we wrote a whole record and we released it. But to us, it was almost like, okay, that was great. Good mm-hmm. job, but we can do better. And, and, you know, and we had our mindset for that a very long time ago that, that we that we needed to build build that chemistry so we could make polar similar. Mm-hmm. So that's more or less what we're saying there. It, it might come off a little negative, but it's not necessarily negative. It's 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 really just us trying to to outdo it and 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 that makes sense. Be better songwriters together. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference there and say that I, I get that you're trying to beat it and that you love it and all that. But on the other hand, I think there's probably a real element of having to go in with the new members and figure that out. It was not as satisfying of a process. It was like, how do we do this? Like that's that's something that's real. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think that that reflects ne- negatively on the record. But it's it just happens to be the experience of the the newer members is like man are they happy now being at that well it's know, just being us. At the studio you guys were at and the stuff you're doing <laughs> now i'm sure that was just a much better uh, uh, right is that not been the best experience you've had being there at uh, the, oh gosh uh, was it pachyderm studio pachyderm studios yeah. is, is the best place in the world to record a record yeah, the, if, in if, my if opinion. the listeners don't know they did nirvana and utero at that studio and there's, yeah. there's that picture of nirvana that i know sitting in front of that fireplace and you guys have a picture yep. sitting right there. I'm just, that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Super cool. Um, I mean, it, it, I, I don't even know how to even start with that, but the place is magnificent. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an old school vibe. Um, it, it's, it's like, uh, it, it kind of reminded me of like grandma's house, you know, mm-hmm. kind of hollow and, and creepy sounding a little bit or, um, and just creepy looking in general. So, Corey, speaking of the studio and that kind of thing, I would love to listen to some music from the new Norma Jean, and I've got some clips uh, that I'd like to discuss from 100 Sons' song, Fractional. Cool. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, too. But um, really, this the sound of the record, I, first of all, is great. So, you know, my compliments to the, what the record is and the way it sounds and everything like that. And also, that uh, it, you had the NPR feature. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, for how, sure. How did, was- how did you get that? Um, <laughs> You're not the most NPR band out there. No, no, it, it was definitely kind of uh, out of the out of the blue. But really, um, 
our, our the PR that we hired to promote the record, um, we told them to look outside mm-hmm. of the usual places that we always go to try to Sweet. find somewhere that that might not have, you know, usually pick up a heavy band or whatever. So yeah. NPR came along; they were stoked to do it, and and they did. Uh, they released One Million Watts, which was the first yeah, uh, was single the first that we released. Yeah, yeah, so I'll play a little clip from it. Okay, so when I'm listening to that clip, like it is so heavy sounding, but it's got such a. Are you hear me good? They started a new one. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Sorry. No, no problem. <laughs> when I'm listening to that clip, I'm just thinking. I know. I, tell me if this is way off base, but to me, it feels like a super heavy version of like a hip hop groove. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing that you think of often, but I, I find the genres sometimes related. But I mean. Can you imagine this with a drum machine and some different, like, no heavy guitar, but just a bass line? I can yeah. just so imagine. It's just a groove, man. Like, it is a groove, right? That, that's, that's our favorite thing in the world is, is just a, a groove. Like, not, not so much like a breakdown or, um, you know, but just, like, I love that kind of, like, Head bob, do you call kind of like that's what I'm asking is in the yeah. internal language of the band. Do you say we're looking for a groove? Yeah, that, absolutely. We yeah. want to we want to kind of we like to kind of stay in that pocket and mm-hmm. and then you know maybe we'll do some jagged stuff later with it or whatever. But uh, for me anyway, that, that's that's one of the stop on that word. Then tell yeah. me what you mean by jagged. I mean, I mean, it's Norman I'm Jean, interested dude. <laughs> in the nomenclature that a band will use, in, in yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oh, oh yeah, groove sure. is breakdown, it's jagged, or is it is, is jagged chaotic? Is that the same way people other yeah, people say chaotic? I, I kind of, I, I guess you could say it chaotic. I, I like to think of it more of like, like I say jagged because I don't want it to make sense sometimes. Like I want mm-hmm. it to, like like a jagged edge, like or or, you know, like almost like you're gonna. You're gonna fall off the cliff at any moment, and you don't mm-hmm. know it. And then, but then you'll be in this other kind of place. So, um, I know it's just a word we use to kind of like. So, would that reference, you know, let's say try to find time something outside of the groove? Odd time signatures would be jagged. Then, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's the next thing I want to uh, talk about is how do you handle odd time signatures, especially as a singer? Like, I understand it. I'm a guitar player, and I arrange stuff and drums and stuff. But I always feel like. If I wasn't, if I was just trying to sing on this, it actually would be really harder. So, like, here's a couple of clips where I hear you guys doing time signature stuff that's that I think is pretty bizarre. And it must, I feel like, I'm curious, is it hard to learn the? Do you have to go back and like learn the vocals and stuff like this? Okay, yeah. yeah. That's badass for sure, and I just Thanks. feel like, where? Wait, you come in on three? Like, what? Well, <laughs> you know yeah. what happens there? No, uh, um, it depends on the part. Like, um, it, for that one specifically, uh, that that riff is Jeff. Uh, Jeff wrote that part, and I had the lyric, which is, um, "You said love, no- love nothing, and nothing that you love can be used against you." And I was trying to start at this kind of spot, and 
Um, at Pachyderm, there's there's uh, the house where we all mm-hmm. stayed in, and then you walk about 200 feet or so through the snow and up this staircase, and then you're at the studio. So I was kind of down there doing vocals, trying to figure out this part, and I finally just had to go get Jeff and say, hey, I, I need you to find the rhythm here yeah, right. for me to That's say exact, this. my exact question. And he came in and he sat there and I was like, okay, I'm going to show you what, what I'm trying to do. And then you, you tell me if this works. And I tried to do it a couple of times and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. He kind of did his thing. And then he's like, try this. And, and, and he said, you know, here's where one is. So try right. starting there and then, and then just say it all at once. <laughs> and that's He's like, do those first two that you were doing. Cause, Cause I was doing, you said love nothing. And then I couldn't fit the rest in. Yeah. The, the song would start, and I couldn't fit it. So, yeah, that's my that's my exact question: is is how that how does that actually work out in real life? Because, you know, when the time signature is weird, it just doesn't feel that good. Like it, it's it's one thing to count to five and seven, and then six and eight on, on when you're playing guitar because you're kind of continually playing. But mm-hmm. coming in and out, and as a vocalist, and a lot of vocal, I know you play guitar and write, but especially for people that don't that's all, i think that's always got to be a frustration it's like well couldn't you just put it in four four or something here's another one. <laughs> this one is from uh, it since, technically yeah. is uh, that song but yeah it's, that's a whole different thing this one is uh synthetic sun and it's just, it's the same way i feel like it's really interesting time signature wise and focus. like you know where's the down yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so that's cool. That's cool. I don't hear that. It's kind, of, it's kind of a weird thing about uh, when you write the song, you, you don't get that. Uh, hear it for the first time feeling. Right. That's the curse uh, of being a songwriter. You don't get that. You don't get to hear the song like somebody who's never heard it. But is there a part when other people are doing the music or writing and stuff where are you actually learning the measures and beats and talking about coming in on the upbeat of two and, and stuff like that? Is that is that a way you approach it or do you just wait until you feel it and then you can sing it? To me, it's more of a feeling thing. Like um, I'll think of the vocal part for, first usually mm-hmm. um, and I, I kind of know how I want to sing it and then I'll fit the lyrics inside of that. Mm-hmm. Instead of writing about, down a bunch of lyrics and trying to fit them into a song, I feel like that comes across like forced. Um, so it is a feeling thing to me. Like I usually just play the song over and over and over and, and just kind of just vibe out on it. Instead and, of count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just vibe on it and like and yeah. sing stuff in my head, and then I'll try to like, oh crap, there's something. And then so then what I'll usually do is I'll like play it on my laptop and let the music come through, and then I'll. Sing it into my phone so it gets the audio from here. It's oh, okay, like my yeah. little, it's that's like my little trick. four track. I got yeah. a two, whatever. I just that's coming through and I'm singing, you know, da, 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 just like, and I'll name it like whatever song rhythm and yeah. then or vocal rhythm and and then I'll just go back and I like that. Yeah, I, I always stuff. feel like you know counting counting for vocalists is counter to a good performance. Like that's just not how you want to think trying to track or perform vocals is like counting beats and coming in on rhythms it's just that's just not vocals are the thing that are supposed to transcend the uh 
the 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 meter and the time signatures and and tie it all together, you know. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's obviously the ideal way is to just wait until the the odd chaotic or jagged part makes sense and then you feel it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, I think the way we write everything is is definitely more based on a feeling. Like mm-hmm. what? Like sometimes we'll even when we're writing something, um, we'll just go into something like okay, we we know a, a part. Uh, a song up to a certain section and then we don't have anything else after that. Mm-hmm. We'll all kind of go into something to see what happens every time we play. Like, let's play up to that point and then, and then keep writing. And we'll get up to that point and you'll just hear everyone just go into like something else. Sometimes it's a joke. Sometimes it turns out to be something <laughs> pretty cool and, and we use it. Yeah, so, totally. um, it, you know, cause you want it to kind of feel natural going into the next part and, or maybe you don't. I don't know. It just kind of depends on on the the vibe or that we're trying to well, go you for. D- for that you definitely song. accomplish a lot. Norma Jean accomplishes some really out there vibes that are you know, yeah, very unexpected and kind of stuff. Let me show you that what I've identified as my favorite part so far of the new stuff that I've heard. This cool. is uh, from the uh, what's the song about? Dang it. The, uh, f- going to Andromeda. What is it? Uh, forever hurtling towards andromeda yeah toward andromeda yeah okay so there's this part toward the end of that song and i'm imagining there's a different vocalist there that's not you doing some yelling there right yeah at the end of the song uh sean ingram from coalesce is on is on one of the guys from the band but yeah yeah i I didn't notice it as him but now that you say that it makes sense but i was wondering who's doing those Who's what badass is doing that? Yeah, it's awesome, right? <laughs> I'm so glad Dude, that I picked out that so it was somebody sick. different. That's great. But um, sorry, I it didn't rules. actually nail who it was. I didn't know that. It's all but, good. Um, yeah. The part right before that, just the music, what happens there, and then that part being not you singing, it's just it's really awesome. I'll play it here. Yeah. Like I, when we, we played that song live, um, on the, he's legend, the tour we did with, he is legend mm-hmm. and, uh, rebel choir back in, uh, um, March. And we, that was the first song we played live from the record. Um, and I had to do that part. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> how it goes. Right. I, I'm listening. I, I'm listening to the song over and over. And I just, he has this to- he sees the song totally different than i do and that's that's a cool thing about working with other people is, is you you learn from them basically Absolutely. and I, I like that i like working with other people in in a sense of not just like oh let's get a guest vocalist on like more to me it's more of a learning experience and trying to to you totally. know i think we're, you're never above reproach musically or artistically or with anything really there's always more to learn and that's something that we have always tried to, you know, maintain in Norma Jean. We don't want to. We don't want to get to the point where we're just like, yeah, yeah, we know everything. You know, we've been around for like twenty years, man. So you guys can suck it. You know, like <laughs> we don't want to be. We don't want to be like that. Like we, we always want to be. We want to be like sponges to anyone that we've worked with and or that, that walks in the room. You know, like even so much so that there's just like friends hanging out. Mm-hmm. You know, while we're practicing, like. 
and I they'll they can't help themselves, but they'll be like, "Man, it'd be so sick if you guys like did this." I, I listen to that person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I mean, he's here. It, somebody's just a buddy that maybe didn't even experience. Yeah, like yeah. maybe not. Well, I mean, why you not? Know, let's try, I've let's try that. This theory that you that anybody could produce a record if you you know you know how producers at some point have good engineers and everything, so they're really there just for vision and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you had a good band, don't you think? I like way, where this is going. <laughs> okay, well, here's two here's two ways that I think of it. I think on one hand, what if you just got a celebrity producer that w- didn't know anything about music? Let's say you got Brad Pitt or Michael Jordan to produce your record. How would that go? Like, and here's all you do is every time there's a decision to be made, you say, "Hey, Mike, what do you think?" And he goes, "This or that, or louder or soft." You know what I mean? Like, you could have an untrained person, um, and it almost would be cool. Like you could have your. I'm not hearing you. You're not hearing me right I'm now. Sorry, to the internet world, but okay, now I am. Right now, I'm good. Yeah, it sounded okay. like ping pong sounds. Sorry for having some for a internet second. problems, but so imagine if you just had Michael Jordan. You're like, hey, Mike, should should we should it be louder or softer? Which way should we go here? Should it be more aggressive <laughs> or less? You know, he can answer all those questions. I, I like that. I didn't hear. I didn't. I didn't hear anything you were saying, and then I, <laughs> you come back to Michael Jordan is He's producing, producing the, your record, right? Um, and so he can just say, like, think of it this way: you could have all no. your wives, you could have your wife produce the record. You could just say, "Honey, this, should this part go longer? Should it be more aggressive or less?" Like you could get an untrained person. You want to pr- produce our our record, babe? She's over yeah, there. Yes, she could. Well, she could do it. An untrained person could produce a record. Is my that's my theory, and because they would be like yeah. you just said, it would be the it wouldn't be the it's not a fan or somebody into it or somebody with technical knowledge, but you would have pure like I don't even know what a double bass drum pedal is. It's just <laughs> oh do that oh yeah that crazy thing more of that or why don't yeah. that's a little obnoxious that's hurting my ear you know just let their I impulses that would guide be, uh, every step of the record and just have two or three badass engineers in the band and just <laughs> whenever they have opinions. Do what they say. Wouldn't that be a good experiment? I think I think it would be a fun experiment, <laughs> and I think it would be a terrible record. <laughs> you don't think Brad Pitt's impulses could guide Norma Jean in no, a positive direction? I don't think. Oh, come Brad on, Brad Pitt. Come on, dude. <laughs> there, there's so there's so many because uh, there's so much. Here's the thing about making a record that 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 is uh, kind of important is that you kind of need that that nerdy guy. To be there, to know all that technical... Not technical. We've got engineers. Stuff. We have the best engineers. Oh, we have the all world. the technical guys? Yeah. <laughs> so you're just getting, you're just getting, you know, uh, Mike Tyson's opinion Mike Tyson. on how aggressive the, the, the verse is, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I want, I want, I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> Anyway, that's my. I'll try anything twice. Your idea of that, what you said, if somebody in the room is even just a buddy, has like, oh, I wish we could do that more. Just if I'm saying, take that impulse and make it. Listen to it for <laughs> yeah. real. It, Let's you know, do it. it because you get that untrained impulse. It might it might be valuable because it's not caught mm-hmm. up in like cer- cerebrally like stuff you would. Or you, or you could do like a panel. A panel would be a great. <laughs> one. Yeah. A panel of yeah. people. Per, focus different group. Pe- yeah, yeah, a focus group <laughs> for each song. Yeah. And, and then you get rid of that group, and then you bring in the next that's group right. of that hand, hand-selected. Yeah. Ah, yeah, it's corporate. Let's just do it. That's Data, data-driven it. approach. Everything's yeah. going that direction anyway. <laughs> that's funny. All right, so tell Jump me in, everybody. this one. I, this is a part on Synthetic Sun. Uh, I'll just play it, and then you walk me through what 
whatever you'd be willing to divulge about how this how this gets the way it is. Beautiful uh, guitar part, by the way. Mm. Um, and then the, the talking thing. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm curious what it is or how you chose it or you know, stuff like that. But the part, yeah, I love the, love this part. I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything about it. Um, that part um, kind of was one of those parts that we um, we had, we had kind of written the bulk of the song and we got to the part where we wanted to do something. Move on to the next part, mm-hmm. and uh, so we were just kind of building that guitar part in, as we went. So it was kind of made up in the room. Did it start as a heavy part or the quiet part? Because you, did, you um, then you go in Je- and scream, yeah, and Jeff do the same the, part heavy. But which was original there? Yeah, Jeff had the heavy part, okay. and then and then we kind of figured out how to go around that. But um, in the studio, um, what you're hearing is they're actually playing with their fingers, that so we could make sure that it was really really tiny sounding mm-hmm. and um it changed we changed the amp sounds um if you want anybody that watches the documentary luminaries you could you, there's shots of the of the amp room and you can just see what we we're working with just towers of amps uh-huh. just the a wall of death and it was insane it's insane um so you know we're constantly switching amps and, and changing tones and doing all this stuff um yeah they're playing with their fingers and then uh um the sample is, um, it kind of fits the theme of the song a little bit. Um, but it's from a documentary called Rich Hill. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. No, that's but what I was curious about. Whatever. Is it, is it something pulled from a movie or did you record it, it's that? From a, it's from a documentary. Um, and, and it's just, uh, what, let's, I mean, I, I want to get into this kind of stuff because, it, you know, like where else is this question going to be answered, you know? So might as well just be here and that's cool. So, but yeah, uh, and it's just, uh, interview with this this woman and she has a bunch of kids running around it's an insane mess in her house mm-hmm. and 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 she's just from this really really small town that and she's just kind of talking about how she never um had a chance to grow up she was she had kids when she was 17 and she was thrown into adulthood this is her words mm-hmm. and this is this is her saying that and and, and it kind of ends with her saying i never had any hopes i never had any dreams and and that it's just a very sad thing to hear somebody say. Yeah. And um, me being uh, um, a parent with two kids and still, you know, uh, living my dream of being in a band, I know that's possible. And it, it's, it's very it's very sad for me to think somebody that it feels like they're stuck in this small town, they're stuck in this this life, and um, when you know their life matters too. Right. You know, you, you don't have to sacrifice everything um, just because you had kids. I just always find that. There, I said it. No, that, no, it's good, and I appreciate you divulging and, that. But it's I mean, just, I'm just being real. You, you, your life matters, too, and you, you deserve to be happy. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that she can go on tour if she's a single mom, but, you know, it, it, whatever. Whatever you, whatever you want to do, um, you can do it. I, I was a single dad for years, and... And I, luckily, I had great family to help me out to um, be able to go on tour and and play and, and stuff. And I was able to be in a band that that could uh, bring them on tour with me, mm-hmm. you know, several times and stuff. So I've been lucky in, in that in a lot of those places. But at the end of the day, I still pursued those things. 
Well, um, no matter what the circumstances were. I think that's a really cool point of view and message, and I couldn't have picked that up without you telling me. So I, I appreciate that. You know what I mean? I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm very slow on lyrics and content. I was trying to listen to what she was saying. I was interested in how it worked musically and the texture of it. And I've heard movie quotes or film stuff or narration put in a lot of music uh, before. Not a lot, but whenever I hear it, it just lo- I'm telling you that I'm a sucker for that. I don't know why I haven't done it more often, but it's. Is so interesting to get a, a, somebody. It, maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the opposite of a soundtrack, right? So you take scripts and lines and movies, and then you act it out and you do whatever, and then you add music to add some feeling to it or whatever. But when you do it, mm-hmm. the, what you did is kind of the opposite of that. You you build this music, and then you put some dramatic uh, speaking or narration over it to color the soundtrack. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we'll put a little script. We'll put something yeah. from a movie. On That's our a cool. Music. I, I, I like the way you're seeing that. That's a very cool way to way to put it. And and it, it well, to us, you know, it's. I, I don't know if we think about it that hard. We just know, kind of like, that there is a space there, and that the, the intention is to mm-hmm. put something there. And and this part comes along, or this idea comes along. So we we did that, and we do that a lot on Polar Similar. There's a lot of that. Um, there's a couple of interludes that happen that interlude like non-heavy stuff that's extreme on the other side which is beautiful i love it yeah there's um as philly would say peaks and valleys there you go and um yeah we were all worked you know really hard together to make it so um it's just it's just a really cool cool record that you know it comes from a long history of of music and people and I feel like we are exactly where we are supposed to be right now with the people that are here mm-hmm. in, in what I call now the Norma Jean Collective. The Norma Jean Collective I like. Well, I love Norma Jean. Been a big fan, um, you know, since, for, you know, forever. Awesome. But let's talk about 100 Sons. I'm way into that. That's a really interesting thing, too. Sure, man. Yeah. So 100 Sons is your other or new, what do you call it, project? Your sure. Other, you yeah. got a band project. <laughs> you know, the thing I don't like is when people refer to other stuff you do as side project. So I mm-hmm. won't refer to it as that because it's a band, right? Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's your new yeah. thing. For sure. Um, it's, 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 um, it's consists of me, um, Legs from used to be in Every Time I Die mm-hmm. and Chris, who used to be in uh, Dead and Divine. Um, uh, amazing band from Canada that we've toured with before. So, um, he's really uh, Chris is really kind of the the uh, founder of of the band. Basically, he uh, we met on tour years ago. Uh, I, think, I, was, I think it was like 2012. I want to say, um, and we shared a bus with them on a European tour, and uh, we became really good friends. And after that tour, uh, Dead and Divine disbanded, and he was starting this new project. He started sending me riffs and. Um, he sent me the first, the very first song uh, he ever sent me was "Fractional," cool. Which I think I think you have a clip yeah, of it. Yeah, and, I got some stuff I want to talk about in that song specifically. And so yeah, great. he sent me that, and I, I it blew my mind. I was, I, it's like T- tell I knew. Me what's your first impression of it is? Because I, you know, I've just been exploring it recently. But what did you tell me? What you thought about it? What did you notice um, about the song? Well, with Norma Jean, I, it's very thought out and. It, it's a very long process to write a record, and we we put lots of time and, and energy into little things, and and we put everything under a microscope. We record it, we record it again, we record it again, and we just we keep doing that, and that's how 
that's how Norma Jean functions, and I, I really like that process. We're always we get together and write in two week, three week blocks in a, mm-hmm. in this room. Right. Um, so, Hundred Sons is a completely different thing. Uh, it's it's for the most part, Chris is writing riffs, putting a basic drum beat to it, sending it to me and Legs. Um, and then we add on what we want and send it back, and and we just nice keep sound. doing that until a song happens. But the thing about it is, is I, there's not a whole lot of uh, microscope being or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it put on the songs. Um, when it, it's so natural, it's 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 so strange to me because I've never worked with anyone where I feel like I don't have to to work that hard to know what I want to sing over it. It just, it, it's like it was made for me to mm-hmm. sing over. And that's one of the things that he, he will actually say is that he had my voice in mind when he was writing the songs, and which is one of the reasons why he wanted me to do it. And, and so that's kind of really the a brief history of, of well, outcome. My observation to, of it is, uh, I have many, but, uh, you know, what's really interesting about it to me is you're, that what you get to do vocally, at least on, from what I've heard, there's some more singing to it. And I will concede also that the songs, or this song, Fractional, is more of a standard song form, for instance, and, cool. and stuff like that. And the music is, uh, here's my observation from, the, from the, the, the verse and the chorus of the song. And like I said, it's a little bit more of a traditional song. This is what I love about it is there's very little to no chord function. It's note it's like one note the low note the 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 Mm -hmm. tonic note of the key and a badass groove and a rhythm and i would think that would be harder to sing over or make something up over because it's not like this it's not really a chord progression and so Mm -hmm. i'm listening to the verse and the chorus and it's just this like one tone landscape where you get to go out there and sing over and the groove's awesome and the notes are awesome but you're out there exploring and doing a bunch of different stuff with your voice which is very welcome to my ears that's what's so cool about it to me is that it it does have this groove to it and um, there's not like a bunch of it's not like a like you said a four chord progression kind of thing yeah Um, so that's hard to do by the way it is very more confident to, to yeah, say, it's, it's very, I don't need to change chords here. This is badass if I just leave it. Right. I like I, to, to me, I, there's there's a, a dramatic thing that happens when you do that because mm-hmm. you, you're playing more of a riff-oriented thing that's more of an open note thing. And maybe, you know, Chris does all this tapping stuff over it, which is really cool. But when you do hear that first other note, that big note that happens that's, you know, it it's, has this amazing explosion effect well, let's listen to it a little bit and and so that's i think that's one of the cool things about that's different about hundred so, sons so here's like the riff uh i titled the clip riff no chord because it's not really a chord it's just a riff <laughs> <laughs> to call yeah. and stuff and then when we get to the chorus it's really the same um 
it's it's really the same bones, and and then you get to just do a di- you know the guitars are back and it's slightly different approach on the fundamental same bones, and then you get to vocally mm-hmm. actually s- stretch out here and make the the part a whole different part. Vocal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, basically what I'm doing there too is um, I'm just belting it. It's all I'm about belt- the texture it, there, yeah, and not the, just, the notes and all this crazy melody or chords. It's amazing. It's a yeah, yeah, and, and, texture. and there's a totally different um, uh, vocal range there, and and different notes that I'm using, and I'm just I'm just basically going an octave up from what I was doing on the verse, and well, not not really, but that's the that was. He sent me that chorus. Um, that was the first thing I heard, uh-huh. like uh, a little bit of that riff and the chorus, and that was all. And I, and I knew exactly, it just came to me ex- immediately. I didn't have to go and like, no, not that. No, not that. You know, it, I knew exactly, and it's been that since the first time. I, I, you know, I went and sang on it that day and, and sent it back to him because... I wanted to act on it really fast. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I did. I, if he's looking for a vocalist, I don't want him to find anybody else. I want. <laughs> I want to be that guy. So, uh, I was. I, I had been looking for another project to do for a while. Um, I had done this other band uh, called the Radio Sky for a little bit, which I was playing guitar for that band, and I, I, I was doing a a punk thing called uh, Fears of Driving Force, and you know, it, it, this just kind of fell into place. And it was that thing that I think I was really looking for, and and it just so happened that that legs became available as well, and cool. it just fell it fell into the place like that. And I think well, it's so really note, really kind of cool. That note on the top of that chorus, that's like a that's just like a treasure that you get to hit that spot in your range at that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, isn't that the perfect spot to hit that belt note that you say? <laughs> yeah, is it hard for you to that. sing, or do you like that? Because to me, it sounds like. Like that thing where the singer gets to sing the note that feels so good. It happens to be in that key, and it happens to be the right spot to do it. Is that a comfortable um, note, or, or is that difficult for you? That's yeah, no, that's that's my the top of my range for sure. But does that um, feel good to, to get to sing that, or is it like, oh crap, I got to sing that there? Uh, to me, it's easier to sing that for sure than it is to sing the quieter stuff. Yeah. Um, you there's a lot more. You have to have a lot more control over your voice, um, singing quieter, and and make sure like. Even especially live, holding the mic is very important. How you hold your body is very important. So all these weird things come into to play because your body is the instrument. And um, when when I do belt something, it's like uh, it's okay. That can be one volume. I can hold it however I want. There's no. I don't have to try as hard. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I guess you're right. On I, I never really thought of it that way. Like you're saying, but yeah, that is very relieving in a way. But yeah. it's still like belting, kind of you know, as hard as what, I can. What is your favorite um, part of? What is your favorite thing to do? What is the? I'm sorry, not favorite. Like, what is the most comfortable <laughs> thing for you to do in your voice? Is it the screaming or the screamy singing or you know, easy soft singing kind of stuff? You can do all those things. And, I don't want to blend them better than. Um, there's very. Let me get, do one aside here. In the long scope of vocals and vocalists, you're in a small category of people that can do this really aggressive blend of singing to screaming, control the pitch, uh, keep it clean, 
keep it rough and bl and have that blend knob that you could go any you can do 62% scream and still be singing a mm -hmm. you know that's a, that's a small range of people that when you look back at all vocalists that that employ and use that so there's screamers singers people that yell whatever but your amount of blending in in that range is is a relatively small group yeah uh, i i mean i don't want to sound like I have an ego about it or anything, mm -hmm. but it's not like the way I see it is just like any other instrument. Like you play guitar enough and I mean, you know this, you, you play guitar. So, and you play it long enough and for as many years as, as we have, you figure stuff out. I mean, it's, it's just like any instrument you practice, you get, you figure it out, yeah. you get good at it. Yeah. Um, now vocalists don't, you like to say that kind of thing, but I'm not afraid to say it. I, I very much embrace um, being a vocalist as an instrument. And it's something that that's how I look at it. So mm -hmm. when you look at it that way, it's, you know, I mean, Tosin will straight up come to your face and be like, yeah, I'm the best guitar player in the world. You know, <laughs> that dude, that dude knows what's up and everybody knows it and he knows it too. And, um, you know, I, I don't think, Vocals should be any different for that, and I think vocalists should embrace yeah, right. that. There's a little instrument. bias against that. Vocalists don't. There's not that consensus or braggadocious or quantifiable way to say this guy has the chops. It's just not in the way that guitar and drums have that. So that's interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a practice element to it. It's just like any instrument. Mm -hmm. It's not really any different at all, except that your body is that instrument, and so how you take care of yourself and and um, you know the things that that you do in, in the music fit. Um, and, and also for me, I think there's a, there's an emotional part to it as well. And I, I think that I want to match that emotion in the music. I don't want to just be going, okay, here's my screaming stuff and here's my singing part, you right. know? Yeah. The blend is what's, was what sticks out. And I think yeah. that might be one of the best compliments or I hope you take as a really good compliment. I You're do. Good yeah. Thank you. At what you do when you sound like you, like I never thought I sounded like, I was like, Oh, Billy Corgan has a style mm. or the, you know, these people have styles when I started learning guitar. And then after 15 years, I say, Oh, I sound well, like me. I, yeah, like, exactly. That's 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 on like it's not that what I can play and what I can't. It's that at this point I sound like me. Right. That's, uh, that's the best. That's all. Embracing how you sound. Okay. Yeah. Anybody can relate to this. Um, if you're not a vocalist specifically, you can relate to. If you hear a recording of yourself talking, yeah. you usually hate it. Right. You're like, that's how I sound. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is how you sound. It absolutely is exactly right. what everyone hears when when, is, is when you start talking. Um, it, there's there's an element uh, uh, to for a vocalist that you embrace that yep. and you embrace how you sound. You don't try to sound like anyone else. And I, there's a lot of vocalists out there in some huge bands that you can tell like are are not really truly being themselves. And they're going mm -hmm. to the studio and they're doing all these studio tricks. It's like just embrace it, be who you are, and and sound like you're supposed to sound and let that come out naturally. Because if you listen to Oh God the Aftermath and you listen to Polar Similar or Hundred Suns. Um, you will hear a completely different uh, totally. person. Um, I did not know what I was doing on that record, really. I just didn't. That's the truth. Um, I, it took me some years to, to figure out how to really be a vocalist and, and embrace that instrument because the truth is I never wanted to be a singer. It was just that in every band that I was in, I was the guy that could do it. So I just wanted to play guitar, man. <laughs> That's the truth. I just wanted to play guitar, but... I always ended up being the vocalist, and then with Norma Jean, I was 
just a vocalist. Yeah. Um, and I play guitar and, and write, but you know, there was a point where I was like, I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, then I need to do it right. Right. And I need to pay attention to it. And it needs to become, I, I'm, I'm a professional musician. I need to treat it that like that. And so that is really where that comes from. And I, I try to, you know, I don't, I'm not good for every band. I would not work well with a lot of music. Um, I have a very you're not, kind of, you're not going to be in Maroon five if they, need <laughs> hell no. <laughs> All right. Has that been broken up no, yet? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something opposite sounding. I mean, you may, I mean, you could probably yeah. try out for Rise Against, though, right? I, I, you know no, what I mean? Like, sure. there's some bands you wouldn't. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's one more clip there from Fractional from Hundred Sons that that I thought was interesting. contrast there because we were already Ooh. doing singy stuff and then you took it to this softer level than than there had been before mm -hmm. just to set up the contrast of how aggressive that chorus was but i just like to hear that really soft chorey singing there i thought it was yeah <laughs> yeah it was, that it was, was um to me it's de uh, being in hundred sons and and you know really being disconnected from the writing process has helped me um, tremendously in, in finding things like that in my voice, um, things I would never would have done with Norma Jean right. and, or anything else for that matter. And it's opened up a completely different world uh, of finding things that I can do or want to do. And um, I think that will come through in, on, on future endeavors, Excellent, if you will. So I'm looking forward to hearing more of that 100 Sons. So the crowdfund is going now. That's the phase you're in there. Um, yes. And so you're getting about halfway done with the crowdfund and you're about halfway to your goal. So I would love yeah. for everybody to, uh, you know, give that a shot. You tell people to go to hundredsons.com. Yeah, hundredsons.com for, for the for the crowdfund. And we're almost at 50%. When we get 50%, we are releasing a new song called Bed Burner, mm -hmm. uh, which there is a clip of that out there somewhere. And people can check it out, the clip of that song. But the full song will release and... Um, all the uh, Norma Jean info is normagenoise.com. Normagenoise.com is where you get That's, that. You can find out about Polar Similar. Polar Similar is pre-order now and is out on September 9th, correct? That's it. Excellent. Okay. Do we get to any questions, Reva? Do we have any questions? Is it question time? We might not be caught up. We might not have any. I'll talk to Corey for a second. See if you could pull a question or two, if there are any in that feed. Okay. Well, you can still submit a question if you like. If you got one, we'll take that one question. I, just, I know we're getting close to out of time, but I wanted to... Being on Facebook, I didn't want to deny the interactive potential element here. So if you've got one, let's hear it. All right. Saying. Corey, are you doing good? You're enjoying this? I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm stoked. Excellent. This is I, cool I stuff. I really enjoy being able to... You know, it's just great to be able to catch up with people and, and do this kind of thing in this way. I really enjoy it. I've gotten to where I do it. I'm doing it at night. In my house, and I just love it so much. Like that's so this cool, is what man. I'm yeah. Doing tonight I'm having. I got a beer. I'm talking to a friend. There you go, buddy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's nice. Yeah. I'm really enjoying. It's fun, this. man. And you're really good at it too. I really like um, this format, and I, and this is the only. You're the only person doing it, as far as I know. So. Super cool, well, man. I got a really unique set of, of of skills there. I mean, you know, you know how it is when you get interviewed by somebody, and like I have a cheat in that I have some respect from the people I'm going to talk to because I'm in a band, so it, that helps. 
you know, I have a, a good amount of experience in doing some broadcasting, and I'm a very technical guy, so I've been, you know, I've just kind of taken hobby to it, like this video stuff and the technical yeah. stuff. And I have a music uh, background and degree, and, you know, so I've got to, I've happened to have the right set of skills that I, yeah. I can do this You've got a head start on it. i got a head sure, start so. on it, but I think everybody could and should do stuff like this. This is, I think it's yeah. our job to figure out how to use our media channels that we we've facebook spends billions of dollars building infrastructure and algorithms to give people stuff they want and they're just sitting there asking us make stuff yeah and so i accept the challenge that's the way i look at it. <laughs> yeah. we have that's all cool. the, we have basically a cable access channel everybody does you do i do everybody and we remain off the air most of the time mm-hmm. so to me i think of well let's Let's put something on our channel. We've got it. I'm scared. I'm scared, dude. I need you to guide me through Well, it. that's kind of the idea. And same for me. I don't <laughs> like going on my own channel and talking about me either. So it's great for me to be able to like, you know, you got to co-create stuff with other people. That's kind of what it's all about. Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. Do we got a question? All right, here we go. Can you hear me on here? Yes. You hear, you hear Reva? You hear me I do. Yes, okay. I do. Cool. Okay. Okay, Zach asks... Going into your seventh album, how do you make your set list to satisfy both your older fans to show off and to show off your new album? Oh yeah. my seven gosh. albums is uh, you, I mean you've got 120 published songs at this point. How do you make yeah, a set list? Zach nailed it just now, and that is that was already a problem. Yeah, um, we pretty much had the rule of uh, we want to at least try to play two songs from every record, but after Wrongdoers, we were like. Oh my God! We we were making medleys, so <laughs> I mean, two songs so, on a record is fourteen sorry. songs set, and you don't always so, do in fourteen if, songs. If you wanted to hear the whole song, but that song is we're we were idiots and wrote a seven minute song. We can't play that whole song, you know. Especially if we have thirty minutes, you know, on a on a support tour. Mm-hmm. We, what can you do? We, what I can't play four songs. Like mm-hmm. I want to I want to try to fit something in there for everyone, but we will do it. Um, and it'll be cool. And yeah, we're going to play some medleys to fit some older stuff in there, but we're always going to play something from every single record since the beginning of, of Gotta fit this it band. In so we, we will do it and make it work. It's a weird thing. Cause you do your first record when you're touring your first record, you've got to play the whole, like you play eight song set and you play almost every song or every song on your record. It's the only record I think, you got. And then after that, it dilutes into the point where you're making third, fourth, fifth record and you're going in there going shit. We're yeah. probably never going to play most of these songs. That's yeah, just it's, the reality. It's, it makes it hard, and, and we want to play something off every single record. So, But I, I think the, the thing that we're getting to now is it's like uh, we want to try to find the quality of the show. Because, look, when we're playing a live show, that isn't just for us. Mm-hmm. That is for every single person that used their hard-earned money they worked nine to five or whatever they worked um, that that week to make to buy a, a ticket to come see our dumb band. So if 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 people are doing that, we want to make sure that that we're putting on a good show. Um, and this goes for Hundred Sons too, but uh, Norma Jean and Hundred Sons. We want to make sure that we're we're putting out something that that rules. So I think um, you know I, I would like to to expand on that a little bit and and try to find the songs that people really want to hear, you know, cause I, I mean, we can't just go through our career playing all the hits all the time. I feel right. like I, that's the other problem. I'm, I'm going to do go do greatest hits tours like that. Feels yeah. Dumb too, you know? Yeah. So it, it's getting, we're, it's getting to the point where we're like, Hey, let's just pick the songs that we think will be fun to play 
um, from every record. And um, maybe sometimes it hits, maybe it isn't. And so we, we try to, we, we, we kind of find ourselves asking fans what they want to hear. And that to us is way more important than, mm. than what we want to hear, because we're going to, we're going to dig whatever we play. So um, if, or counterpoint, from my point of view, we're going to get sick of whatever we play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, too. that's going to happen no yeah. matter what. By the end of the tour, you'll be like, ah, oh, right. so sick of that song. Totally. But um, we're still going to play it with uh, all the passion and every, you know, blood, sweat, and tear in our body. So yeah, that's don't true. worry about it. That. Well, I'm glad we could get a question in there. That's all. We, we're good on where, where are we at? We're probably good on time and questions for this. So, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Uh, a ton, Corey. So the theme to me is that you guys have had the longevity. You've had figured out how to make it work, to be collaborative, to keep control and forfeit control to other people. It's really interesting. It almost feels like you've outlasted. Like maybe it's that kind of thing where, uh, let's think about it this way. A lot of bands didn't make it. They were great. Mm -hmm. They had a great first record or second record. But th then the bands that do make it or last there's less competition genre-wise and nostalgia-wise and everything else. You know what I mean? Like, it's maybe like mm. we starved out the competition and we're still here, you know? Well, I, I think for – I have to definitely give all the credit to our fans that, that, stu that have stuck around and, and, and dug the music that we're making. Um, because I know that, you know, like we were talking about earlier when, when we were kind of booking limbo and management limbo and record label limbo – you know, we were booking our tours. We were um, promoting ourselves completely and and funding the band completely. So, you know, during that time, I, I was posting on Facebook like, "Hey, where you guys want us to come?" And we ended up playing like some uh, really small towns and um, some places we'd never been before. And people came out and and we packed out those shows. And it was just us and local That's bands. Right. Yeah. And it was so sick and. You know, I just said, hey, get get the bands that you guys think are cool. Um, and those bands went out and worked their butts off to promote those shows. And it's so hard to keep up, you know, and like I, I want to like pay back all those bands for promoting our shows for us. But there's so many of them. It's insane. But I, it really does come down to our fans like come sticking around and and. And coming to see our shows and buying our records, it's but I mean, all, you're all the surviving, and now you have the you reaping the benefits. Uh, let me let me put it this way: I'll make it uh, <laughs> okay. So think about all the uh, beloved and uh, as cities burn first record fans and st under oath fans. They're not, you know, they like those bands, but you still exist. So they're coming. <laughs> you know, you're not competing with them anymore. And like, think about uh, other genres. I like, who's a uh, in, in our genres is like Silverstein and Emery. I mean, who else are you going to go see? Screamy stuff like we do. You know, <laughs> there's not that yeah. many left. So we get all the fans. Or think about Sky. You've got uh, uh. It, Less than Jake or something, you know what I mean? Like, there's a few bands that are there, but there used to be 10 million bands like Less Than Jake. Those I, I bastards are still here. You know? Yeah, I personally sabotaged all those bands right. you just named off. <laughs> I went to their towns yeah. and and just and spread That's rumors funny. and. Yeah, I, I'm. It's my no, fault. No, it's not a slight on them, but you, <laughs> but you did push through some harder times. Like there would have been times that would have been easy to quit. Is, yeah, between here. I've and been there, right? trying. I've been trying to talk one of the members of the band to sell their soul to the devil. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do it. No, not me, but just some other. I'm band not member. Yeah, do it. yeah, totally. I'm. I'm going to heaven, y'all. Right. But one of y'all do it f for the band. Yeah, it would be so we can keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how long? How long can you do this reasonably, though? 
Um, I mean, is, have you crossed the threshold where it's a life thing? Or I mean, is it is it? I don't know. Is playing at forty no longer a big deal than fifty? I mean, what's the deal? Um, I think uh, I always I like this quote from. Uh, you know, this kind of sucks that I can't name the guy that said it specifically, but it's on the Clutch documentary. I love the band Clutch. I saw them in ninety eight. Um, oh man, they're still killing yeah. it. They're still such a good band, and. Um, they have a documentary, and one of the guys says, "I'm gonna do this till I die or get rich." <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's good. I like that. I'm just like, yeah. And when I get super rich, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go do something else now. Yeah. But uh, it, it, you know, it's it. I, what I think he's saying there is, I love it too much to get to stop, and it, it's at this point it's still a relevant thing to me and it's, it's still my livelihood and it's still something that I wake up every day and I think about, you know, I, I don't have any days off. I get up and I work for Norma Jean or hundred sons. I, I work for, 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 um, that music and I want it to succeed and I want it to, to have longevity. So, um, as long as I'm feeling like that and, you know, um, I can, walk around and jump around on stage and be an idiot and scream and sing and all that stuff. I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, you think you could do it at 50? Totally. Norma Jean, not uh, just yeah. music. Yes, I do think I could do it at 50 um, because I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. You are and 40 that's now. Only, Toby's 40 yeah. now. Yeah. And, and that's only 10 years from now. Right. So I, and you would have never I thought feel 40 pretty good. when you were 30, really. And so if you can I, hit 40, well, how are you not going to hit 50? You know? <laughs> I feel pretty good, and I have to give it up to my parents for good genetics. Mm-hmm. And I'm healthy, and I feel good, and everything. I mean, I, I feel like I've gotten better as a vocalist and as a songwriter and yeah, a musician yeah. in general. So, um, yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't know if I'm going to be doing it at 50, but... I, at this point, now is what matters, and I'm still I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do polar similar, and we'll see what happens. Hell yeah, Corey, I appreciate it very much. Um, this has been great. Thank you for letting you know letting us be on your channel here for Facebook. This is the Break It Down podcast. My name is Matt Carter from Emory, and uh, if you're new to this, if you're just catching on to it, go to iTunes, subscribe to it, um, go to BreakItDownPodcast.net. Do it. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. 
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.